Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. We are your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, and privileged to do so each and every day. We're so grateful that you've tuned in today. Man, do we have a great show for you today. But before we, before we get going on that, I want to remind you about our really cool video contest we have going on right now. That's right, and it's going on until the end of the month. And um, I just want to invite you listeners to join us. Go to um, our Facebook page, I Work For Him, and that is the best place for you to find the, the link to the video um, information. But basically, we want to hear your story. We know that God is working in the workplaces of America, and we want to share that. And one of the ways that we can do that um, just a little differently than audio is to actually have some video. So we thought it'd be fun to have a contest. There's prizes. Guys, three months till Christmas. This is an amazing way to get a little gift card that can help you boost that shopping or whatever you want to do, but um, or bless somebody else with it. But it's a simple thing. We want to hear your story. So this is an opportunity to do that. Jim, all they have to do is take their phone, point it at themselves, and talk for a minute or two. Can't be too hard, right? No, and if they're really uncomfortable that they could point it at a mirror where they're standing in the mirror, they could do that they too, could, right? They could, or That's they right. could even ask somebody to do it for yeah. them or with them. Yeah, phone a friend. They phone can help you. Phone a friend. That's phone a great, a friend. but then they have to share the gift card. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. All right, so go out to iworkrim.com, and you can always check out where we are at, but you can always but go to get the contest details on Facebook and on YouTube. Yes. All right, very good. All right, so. Running a company or an organization can be great, but what makes it not so great some days is the people. Sometimes it's the vendors, and sometimes it's the customers, and sometimes it's the employees, and sometimes it's just you. But almost always, a person that brings the greatest challenges to your work and to living out your faith in your work is the people but it's the people that will reward you the most with relationship as you go down the road with them. So what different, differentiates you and how you handle difficult situations versus, versus how you and your pre-believing competitor might handle something? Is there a difference? How do you handle working with customers, working with employees, working with vendors? What sets you apart? Well, we've got a couple of friends in Tampa Bay at thinkutilityservices.com. You might have heard us talk about them on the air a few times. We've got Bill Wolf and Roger Ross here today. And we're going to hear from them on what sets them apart and what has God done in their lives to set them apart, and as well as share some other things. But Roger Ross and Bill Wolf, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're excited. we're excited to have you guys here. You know, it's been months since we've had you on, and we super are super grateful for how you guys support I Work For Him. Uh, Roger, let's just start with you. How have you seen God work in your life specifically these last several months? Well, I think the last time you were here, I'd shared with you that I'd recently gone through a divorce. And, uh, you know, that definitely threw me off kilter uh, spiritually. In the last few months where I've felt the Holy Spirit and really see God working in my life is in the area of sanctification, which to me, I would define as setting apart parts of yourself unto God. You know, we let's, let's, let's just define it for people. It's really the cleaning up process. It is the cleaning just up process. Just to keep it simple, because they're trying yeah. to keep it, because sanctification is five syllables. We always have to yep. define five, five syllable words, and I work for him. It it's that cleaning up process. <laughs> it is. So talk about what's he been cleaning up in you. Well, you know, you, you always have parts of your personality that you keep to yourself that you try to govern or be the Lord of. Hmm. And so identifying in in your own soul 
uh, things that you are trying to be the Lord of and beginning to give those back to Christ so that he is the Lord of them. If you do that, God will work strongly in you to help you shed away things that are problematic for you, for sure. And, you know, we all have those areas. And I think for me, I picked up areas uh, in the lead up to my divorce that I'm now diligently attempting to shed. Yeah, so that would pick be, up that stuff. You're supposed to leave that stuff uh, You are supposed to, but that was what tends to happen. I think that would be the first area. The second area is, and this is something that Bill and I both share, uh, I've reintegrated myself back into the church and tried to become active again. And what I realize is the church now generally has changed from what it was 20 or so years ago in that I see much less biblical literacy. And so mm, that's for sure. that's caused me to focus again on reading scripture, on studying, on trying to not just understand, but then to also defend the things of the faith that are precious to us. Um, people are forgetting what we believe they're forgetting what the scriptures say. They're forgetting things about Jesus. They're forgetting the Old Testament. They're forgetting so much. Much is being lost. And, you know, maybe I'm just getting to be an old man, but I want to see that which was lost being found again. And it is a common problem within the church. As Martha and I have traveled across the country, just people don't crack open their Bibles. No. It's a lot easier to flip on Netflix or, you know, do something else. And, and, and then you regret it. You know, you're like, oh, man, that was a waste of time. But well, you know what? The structure of the church has changed, too. If you go back 20, 30 years ago, we had Sunday schools. We had other services. There were things that the church specifically did to try to educate the people, not just to motivate them, but to cause them to understand their faith in a deeper way. And many of those things have been shed in the American church. Now, I'm not saying we want to bring them back but what I am saying is we have to do something so let's jump right into something practical right now so for our listeners listening to you share this and this is something God's been revealing to you what is something practical that they can do they're you know not going to go into the four walls church and change what's happening but what can they do in their own life what would you suggest Probably the number one thing, this is something I adopted when I was in my 20s, and that is a very consistent Bible reading plan. Uh, There's one that I tend to follow. Um, I went to, I mean, most people here don't know this, but when I was young, I have a degree in theology, and and I went to uh, Bible college when I was young. Okay. One of the things that I adopted early on was I read a chapter from each of the sections of the Bible, and I go through and I do that consistently day by day. Mm -hmm. So what ends, ends up happening, let's say that I'm reading in the prophets, and now I'm reading a chapter in the gospels, all of a sudden I begin to make connections between the two that I otherwise wouldn't have made. For instance, I could be reading in Isaiah where it says he was a man of sorrows. And then all of a sudden you get up to the gospels where Jesus is being tried, beaten and taken away and you make the connection. Hmm. No matter whether you followed my method or a different method, the key is constant reading of scripture. Constant. I mean, I've always looked at it like this. The Holy Spirit gives us he illuminates things in our life, but 
just like with our physical appearance, if you don't have a mirror in front of you, you still won't see what you look like. Mm -hmm. The scripture is the mirror. The Holy Spirit is the illuminator. If you don't hold up the mirror, you won't see your faults. And people don't need to have a theological degree in order to understand that. You know, Jim, we have quite a few different favorites ourselves for reading scripture. And so just I want to encourage you listeners that there are a lot of options. Don't get stuck in a certain um, translation. Don't get stuck in a certain have to, but ask the Lord, what is it that I should be doing? But I think you're right. Uh, We need exposure to it if we're going to ever learn it. So we need to have it open and in front of us. Well, I was going to say one of the other really cool things is around the country in the last two weeks, Bible study fellowship has started up around the country Mm -hmm. uh, for men groups and women groups. And if you really want to learn how to study and really want to learn specific, like this year, they're studying the the book of Acts across Mm -hmm. the country. Go find a Bible study fellowship, a BSF group somewhere near you and and learn how to study it. Roger, your last thoughts. Go ahead. You know what to, and don't, don't get in bondage if you don't read on a particular day. Mm. Or I think for me, I had to find, it's kind of like an exercise program. You have to find your groove. What works for you? Is it morning? Is it evening? How are you going to construct this into your life? And, and that in my life, looking back, that took me a while. I started to realize that my best time was right after I got up in the morning. And that's always worked for me. But for other people, they're night owls. Maybe that works for them. Mm-hmm. You just have to find that that secret time for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the time when you can allow God to tuck you away somewhere and where you can be carried away. Mm. Yeah. I love how you said, don't be in bondage to it because, um, it, you know, we, we ha- coming before the Lord, if we're coming first with guilt, you know, it's a, it's a tough place to start. So obviously we want, um, repentance and things like that. But if we, if we're feeling guilty throughout the day, because of something we in the flesh failed on, um, he gives us a lot of do-overs. <laughs> and what's incredible is when we start our day in the word, it starts our work in a different spot. And when we invite mm-hmm. the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God into our daily routine, it impacts everything we do. These guys run an organization. We're going to let them tell you about it. But first, we're just always focused on, okay, what's the Lord doing in their lives? And you just got to hear from Roger Ross. Okay, we go to you, Bill Wolf. Talk to us about what, you know, you, you about a year ago, things started changing for you. And you're at a different phase in life. How have you seen the Lord working in your new relaxed schedule? It is a bit more relaxed. I've been able to take a little bit of time off this past summer, extended time visiting, took some of our grandkids with us on a vacation out west. And Mm. with my uh, son and daughter-in-law, we had an awesome time. And then we went and visited some of our other family that are up in the Tennessee area and had a good time up there as well. You took the motorhome all over the place. It was like family vacation all over again, but you didn't go to Wally World? I did not go to Wally World. (laughs) Next time. we We had a really good time. And fortunately, we're in a position to where Roger was here running the operations of Think Utility Services and things have been going well. I would just check with him every week or so, make sure everything was uh, tracking well. And uh, we really had a good time. I think God really, you know, gave me a real good refreshing while I was away. And uh, it was exciting times. Was that the first time you'd taken off that many weeks in a row? It was. So, I mean, and that's after 40 years of running the plumbing business that your dad started, that you took over. I mean, this is, 
Is it okay to take that kind of time off? Is it okay to take four or five, six weeks of vacation? I think it's awesome if you if you can put things in place. Uh, certainly, you know we don't take a vacation from God. He's with us wherever we're at. And you know, again, as we're doing Bible reading and studying and and out visiting out west, you see the beauty of what God, you know, has has performed in the mm-hmm. in the earth and in America. And you cannot, uh, you know, review the beauty and the expanse yeah. of of the west and all over the country for that matter and not recognize god in it it's just awesome and you need to be praying especially when you're driving a motorhome down the freeways today because people <laughs> take they, they don't treat people in motorhomes very nicely so i'm just curious i want to dive into that just for a moment like what did that look like for you and your family to um it is hard when you're on vacation to have any kind of a schedule and things like that. So how did you make sure that you didn't put God on vacation? Uh, getting up early in the morning and, and doing my Bible reading, you know, uh, get a cup of coffee, sit off to the side before, you know, the kid, grandkids get up and everyone else gets going mm-hmm. and just make sure you do. You know, I've got a, a, a disciplined Bible reading plan and I try to stay to that. Obviously, there were days that, you know, we were moving too early in the morning or something yeah. like that. But, you know, the, the Christian life is a disciplined life, if you think about it, and not by regiment and being you know uh, demanding of us but the more disciplined I am in my walk with the Lord the more freedom I really have in living and experiencing life Mm -hmm. so uh, you know would get as much reading in as I could from time to time miss it but you know did not feel guilty over it or anything of that nature so talk talk to us about how how has the Lord been speaking to you? What have you seen the Lord work in your life as you step into phase two, as you as you move away from one company, you still have Think Utility Services, you're, but you've got a heart and passion for planting churches overseas. Talk to us about what the Lord's been saying to you as you enter into this. Mm, re, it's almost like a retooling phase. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, what we what I've seen working is some of the relationships that we've had, me and my wife have had with building churches and with different organizations over the last probably three, four years. We're trying to plug those churches and those denominations together. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a group that builds churches nationally. It's called ICM. And then we go to a church of God. Uh, church and what we're trying to do is form those relationships and try to build relationships that you can take a company like ICM which is International Cooperating Ministries who wants to build 2,000 churches a year and then you've got like a church of God denomination that wants churches built and you start plugging those relationships in together and then you begin to see the fruit of it so we ended up having a meeting in February where we went up and met with them and they're building some churches right now for the church of God in Africa that is it's exciting to hear and I'm going to be having a conversation with uh, the regional rep for the church of God this afternoon I've got a call with him at one o'clock just to see how things are tracking and so forth so it's really exciting stuff so I think it's interesting um, if, if I look at what you're doing basically as a business person you're helping some ministries do some things that maybe they don't have the strength to negotiate or navigate through and so I want our listeners to hear that because a lot of times 
we think, well, the ministries have it all figured out. They know what they're doing. I'm not going to get involved or I'm going to just go volunteer and then go back home. But it sounds to me like you've, you've been able to help them propel. Can we talk about that just for a moment? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think when, when, when we're gifted with gifts, okay, whether that's running a business or running, running a ministry, God's done that for a reason. Mm. And, and when you begin to move towards uh, another phase of your life, you know, one would call it maybe retirement, but, you know, I would say it's just another opportunity to wake up and say, Hey, I've got a little bit more free time. What can I do with that time instead of being too self-centered? Obviously it's good to get rested and relaxed, but at the end of the day, once you're rested and relaxed, you want to get up and do something kingdom building wise, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we want to, we want to stand before the father and, and have him say, you know, you've done well. You've, you've, you've been faithful. So that's the, that's the goal for all of us. We want to hear those kind of stories. So when I hear of different ministries that are doing things and I hear of another ministry that needs the help with that, you think, well, how can these ministries get get connected up and, and how do you build those relationships so that they can go beyond where they're currently at? Cause they waste kingdom resources when they're all trying to do the same thing, but they're not working together. If you can get them to work together, then you all of a sudden are way more um, efficient in spending kingdom resources. Right. Hmm. And I don't know that it's that they don't want to work together. They just don't have the knowledge to even understand what right. the other person may be, right. may be doing. And sometimes as the, the, the old statement is, you know, you're in the middle of the forest, so you don't see the trees. Right. Sometimes an outside influence mm-hmm. looking at 30,000 feet up can kind of get a little bit of a vision along with the, the Holy Spirit's leading and say, you have a need. This company can do, or this ministry has these resources. How do you then connect them? And for, for us as men and women of God to not at least explore those opportunities when you see it there, that would be wrong. So I say, you know, try to do it in a way that's loving, caring, prayerful, but do it in a gingerly way and say, Hey, is there opportunity here? And if there is opportunity here, how, which people, you know, do, can I get the voice of mm. and who do I kind of get hooked up with? So of course my, my pastor at my church, Randy Morris, I've had discussions with him because he's been with the church of God for a long time and say, okay, who are the people that we need mm-hmm. to kind of get connected to? So, uh, so you're kind of working those, uh, different angles to uh with people that are in leadership in each of those ministries to kind of get plugged in and see if there's opportunity to connect them it's the ultimate kingdom networking i mean you're really you're building relationships with people in order to connect them to help them do what they do better but you're using skills that god helped you to hone in your business right and so there you know we find a lot of people when they're running a ministry number one god told them to do something and they're just living it out and they they're not necessarily looking up and out at what everybody else is doing they're right. you know they're doing their little thing so you come in see the bigger picture and and use strategy that god has honed in on you right 
mm-hmm. um, to help grow the kingdom. I just, I want our listeners to hear that because um, a lot of times we, we, again, we separate and we divide and we don't think we should be in all of those conversations. Roger. And that really is the skill set that Bill has. Mm-hmm. He is the same here. He comes in and he says, he gives me a view that is above I tend to be operational. Mm -hmm. I look at how do we get this done? How do I manage the people? How do we get the resources where they need to be? He comes in, upsets the apple cart with me. But what I've learned over the years. That's what visionaries do. They do. That's right. They wake up in the morning like, how can I do that? Well, (laughs) but the truth is I've learned to trust Bill over the years. When he sees something it's usually the right thing. And so, um, you know, with humility, I step back. Okay, let's start trying to move in that direction. That has always been his gift. It's mm. one of the things that I admire about him. Mm. You know, it, it's fun to be able to see that God uniquely equips each one of us with a, with a set of gifts, talents, and abilities. And, Bill, just as you saw putting together a plumbing company with an electrical company with an AC heating and mechanical company, you put them all together because they work together well, like a fine-tuned machine. And that's what you're doing now in building churches. You're grabbing people that have got resources, grabbing people that like to build buildings, grabbing a denomination that really wants to get behind it. You're pulling them all together because together they can get a lot more accomplished than they could if they were apart. Absolutely. And Think Utility Services, a longtime supporter of I Work For Him. And we love just to go out to our sponsors and just hear what's God doing in your life. Bill Wolf, how many years ago did you did you start Think Utility Services? Uh, we started in a 1996, started uh, doing water metering. Uh, originally, we were doing repipes of water mains all over the country. And we sat down and strategically... Uh, sat with the group of managers and said, what other added benefits can we provide in the apartment world while we're already doing these water mains and water piping? And one of the newest things in 1996 was starting to monitor the water usage for each of the individual units within the apartment complexes. So that's when we launched the metering side of our company. So that's a long time ago. I mean, that's really somebody would say, OK, well, that's like an environmental concern, watching the usage of water. It's really a, a, a stewardship thing. Mm-hmm. How has this morphed your, your original vision for monitoring water per uh, apartment? It really because it identifies hey, who's using the most. Is there a leak somewhere? I mean, there's, there's some all kinds of things. How's that morphed over the last 23 years? Well, it's it's become obviously we've had the green movement going for, you know, a good 15 or so years. So it kind of it worked very well from that perspective, because when we install meters in a particular apartment complex, the water usage out of the master meter will drop as much as 30 percent because each individual person's responsible for their own consumption. So obviously they don't take an attitude of I'm just going to let the water run because it's in my dues and it's in my fees. So because they're being monitored individually, you'll find people turning the water off and then that master meter coming into whether that's a 50 unit complex or a 300 or 600 unit complex will usually drop between 25 to 30 percent on that overall monthly bill, which is a huge amount of money. Besides, you're taking the infrastructure of uh, sewage seat treatment plants and you know water mains and everything else if you could think about on a global basis yeah it's amazing and take every apartment complex or or condominium project and reduce water consumption by 30 percent what does that do to the infrastructure within each mm. of these 
communities on a national level. It would be phenomenal. It'd be staggering. Staggering. So, so I want to back up just for a second because the reason that you started having this conversation and doing this in '96 is a lot of apartment complexes were built where, like, it was like, well, your water's included, right? So it correct. wasn't a big deal. That's and correct. that was that was kind of the mentality, and everybody was like, oh, cool, I don't have to pay my water bill. But ultimately, we all pay the water bill, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They're just adding it back into your, your you know, monthly fees or your rent or so forth. So what they were able to do is they were able to, you know, many of them would say, okay, we're not raising your rent this year, but we're going to give you a separate water bill. And when they began to do that and when properties do that, because there are still properties today, whether that be a condominium association or apartment complex, that still includes the water in their maintenance mm-hmm. fees. So I would I would urge anybody who's on a board or any decision maker who is involved in water mains and even uh, tenant situations in a strip store where you've got multiple tenants, especially if you have a (laughs) A restaurant or a salon or or a salon where there's a lot of consumption. So if I'm, if I'm in a strip store or, you know, a commercial building and I'm a small you know, building there and I'm not running a lot of water through there, I'm going to be helping pay for, for the yeah, entire fund. Yeah, cell phone repair place with one bathroom or an is a way different than a like restaurant. That, right? so, so, yeah. Here's a question. Is it okay as a Christian to be green? Is it okay to be an environmentalist and be a Christian? Absolutely. Explain I, that because, I mean, you when you see the dichotomy in the environmentalist movement, it tends to be people who are not Christ followers who are driving the agenda of the environmentalist movement. Why? I, th- I think there. I think all of us should be environmentalists. I think that God's given us the planet to take care of. All right, and and I think that there are ways of being able to take care of what we have, and still not go kind of off the deep end, if you Mm -hmm. would. So the reality is, is that I think we all have a responsibility for water and electricity and fuel and many things that we have taking care of our own clothing and just the the list goes on and on and on. And we want to honor God. And the best way to honor God is by honoring the things that are around us. I'm going to honor my neighbor and that's honoring God. I'm going to honor my family and that's honoring God. I'm going to honor the resources that he's given me, right. my, my income, all of the things that I have, I should be honoring and taking care of. Mm. Sir Roger, what's your role in all of this? You've been here for how many years? Since 2001. So, you know, that's almost two decades. Yeah. What is it about what Think Utility Services does that you think is the biggest, the, what's the biggest kingdom thing that you think you guys do every day? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to take you down a different course because, you know, there's no one single answer to that question. But one of the things that I've seen Bill do over the years and over the 20 years, I've started to gain a little more insight into it and then also how to manage that. And that is Bill likes to practice what I'm going to call redemptive hiring. He hires people specifically because he sees a need in their life. And he's trying to put them in a place where God can do something in their life. 
And what I find from my perspective, then my job is to then cultivate that in the individual and to help them along the way. Um, I've seen him do that over and over again. He'll come and say, Roger, there's a guy that he's at church. He's gone through this. He's gone through that. I want to bring him in. I want to hire him. And when he does that, then my job is next to take him under my wing to begin to mentor him and to try to help him along the way. So that I know that's really different. We were talking about the environment and there are lots of good answers to that. But when I look at that aspect of, of some of what we do, I am, uh, I'm humbled by it because I've truly seen God change people's lives. So I can get how that works. And Martha, you want to jump in here, you go ahead. But I can see how that works, Roger, for people that you bring here into your headquarters in Pinellas Park, Florida. But how does that work? You guys have employees. Bill, you got employees all over the country, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, how many different states do you got employees in? Oh, <clears throat> several. <laughs> I'm trying to think it through Texas, North Carolina, Georgia probably put people on in Virginia next. Uh, so quite so, a few. So you're talking six, seven, eight states. Yeah. How do you maintain that level of intentionality with employees that you don't get to see face to face? You're well, not getting to touch. Uh, I'll give you my answer from an operational standpoint. And some of this is because of initiatives that Bill's given me over the years. First of all, when we hire someone, we bring them down for two weeks. We put them through training. The best case scenario would be our technicians. You know, we hire technicians in other states so that we can service the condominium communities, apartment mm-hmm. communities in those states. Right. Uh, we'll bring them down. We'll train them for for minimum of two weeks. Then we run them with another experienced individual. Uh, once they're competent to run on their own, we have weekly meetings that we do, you know, just via telephone with everyone. Uh, and then they're in constant contact with their supervisors. I mean, even though we're here, they're talking to us daily. There's there's never a time when a person is just off on their own doing their own thing. That it just if you did that in a business sense, you are heading towards the rocks of disaster. That's for <laughs> sure. So, you know, that's just not something that we practice. But uh, that's really it: training, meetings, constant supervision. So, Bill, when the Lord really maybe encouraged you to start doing this redemptive hiring, um, did, did you trust wholeheartedly from the beginning that it was, you know, I mean, it could be easy, going to be hard. What did you think? Yeah, I, I don't I don't really don't look at his, um, you know, that he's called me to it. I look okay. at, I, I, you know, the thing about God is if we stay connected to him and stay open to him then he'll lead or he'll lead us. His word promises us that. And, um, I don't necessarily go out looking for redemptive hiring. I walk through life at trusting God, being prayerful. And if God points somebody mm-hmm. out and you, and you run across them and they have a need and you're able to step in and do part of that need instead of so often we can be tempted that, I have a dollar in my pocket and someone has a need for a dollar, but you know what? I want the dollar more than I'm willing to give it. Instead, I think we should say, okay, God, if you want me to give this dollar, I will give it. And, and if you want me to provide a job for this individual, Mm -hmm. fill in the blank on who that is, I'm willing to at least investigate that and have them come down and talk to them and put them through, you know, an interview process. So, uh, it's not that it's my ministry. 
you know, of, of redemptive hiring. However, uh, it's my ministry to listen to what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. Hmm. And by, by goodness, by golly, by some way, it ended up happening that way probably numerous times. Well, it's your, so. I mean, Think Utility Services is your business tree. I mean, you guys look at I me, mean, you've got an incredible business side of this, but it, it is interconnected with the ministry to the people that you hire and the people that you service, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. So how often do you, do you practice this redemptive hiring with your remote hires as well? I mean, you got people, six states, six, seven, eight states. How do you, how do you find employees that you can trust being remote? Well, we're, we're, you know, out advertising on a consistent basis in the markets that we're growing. So if, for instance, if we're growing the Virginia market next, we're going to be advertising out there and then we're going to be going through the interview process and getting applications in and then being be going through an interview process and then flying those necessary individuals into town. Probably realistically, the redemptive process would not work in the more remote areas, right? Because we don't, I don't, we don't have a relationship Relationship. with them, right? So it would be probably more along the lines if, if I went back over the last 30, 40 years, the people that we've hired that have been part of this, as Rogers described it in his redemptive way, would be people that I had a relationship with and they fell on hard times and, and we had a slot or spot and brought them in. I think it's just great, though, to be having the conversation just to get our wheels churning, to say, okay, Lord, you've given me a resource. I need hiring. You know, I need employees. Um, Help me to be open to whatever that might be. Right. Because we're on location today in Pinellas Park, but it's really kind of on the edge of Clearwater, but it's really on the edge of St. Pete, but it's really right on Brian Derry where they've blown up all of the roads to make it better. That's what they say. They say this. I mean, we've been in, in Pinellas County for how many decades, and they're always making it better. <laughs> We're talking with Bill Wolf and Roger Ross. We don't really believe them when they say that, but you know, sooner or later, I mean, Almerton's been under contract, construction for you know fifteen you know decades. We're talking with Bill Wolf, Roger Ross from ThinkUtilityServices.com, sponsors for our work for him. Bill, you said something off the air that I think everybody should should find out. You guys love servicing all different kinds of clients, but you got certain clients that are really the best kind of clients for you guys. And, and you got a ministry to these clients. So talk about what kind of clients are the best ones and what's that ministry look like? Your business tree to these associations and, and homeowners associations and condo complexes. So, yeah, Jim, thank you. So homeowners associations and condominium associations, you know, in order to maintain and, and be able to drive their overhead numbers down, you know, their fees down, uh, water is one of the best ways to be able to reduce their water consumption and be able to bring that master meter down by 25 to 30 percent which in turn you know as a home as a as a a homeowner or as a condo owner that's going to reduce your monthly fees Mm -hmm. so just the fact that they're doing that they're able to control their fees when many fees are continuing to go up that's one way of controlling your costs so uh, condos really all over the nation uh, would be a great fit for that. Um, and we've been servicing a lot down where you live now, down in the Fort Myers area. We certainly do a lot all through Florida. We're probably doing 10,000 units in the state of Florida right now. So Jacksonville's an okay market for you? Jacksonville is a great market for us. We're doing some work up in Jacksonville as well. So we're doing right now probably about 45,000 meters nationally. 
And of those, there a large percentage of those are condos, uh, commercial complexes that uh, you know service uh, big big store centers and so forth, and then also the apartment communities as well. How often do you get a chance as you talk to these customers? So your customers are landowners and and building owners and and association boards of directors. How often do you get a chance to really? minister to these people because these are because sometimes you, i mean what's the longest customer you guys have had have you had customers that started with you 25 years ago or 23 years ago and are still with you today probably yeah right. so how often do you get a chance to have real ministry kind of conversations with these customers well we've got you know uh representatives that have relationships and they're on the phone with them on a consistent basis mm-hmm. typically what we'll do is we'll reach out to them and sometimes send them like a starbucks gift card or things of that nature just reaching out to them and showing a little love, uh, obviously sending, you know, Christmas cards and, and you know, sh- sharing Christ through that and then building those relationships with the account managers on a consistent basis through either regional managers or pro- property managers and so forth. So they are in constant contact with the client. Well, a good example of that, we're just uh, taking back a customer. And one of the first things the property manager said is, is James Anderson still with you? That was Uh, their account manager because they had a friendship and it had gone on for years. So she was thrilled to know that he would be her account manager again. Hmm. You know, I was just thinking about the we we discovered when we moved to Florida that, you know, there's a lot of HOAs in Florida. That is just a a much more much more common here in the southeast than than it was in the Midwest, at least where we were in the Midwest. And I was thinking about that because I was served on our board for a decade of our HOA. And um, it is really important to have those great relationships. But I was thinking, you know, as this amazing place where as a board member budget fixes directly affect you. So there's a great motivation there. So I just want people to hear that because we get kind of excited about it because not there's so many things about Think Utility that we um, are excited about your culture, the way you love the Lord, the way you ask the questions of God, what do you want us to do with it? That you're serving people in a way that they don't even realize they need to be served and, and helping to, you know, financially, but also save the water just from waste. Right. And last night we're having a conversation with a, a friend, a couple friend of ours and they write their checks for water to Think Utility yeah. Services. I we're mean, like so just fantastic. saying, hey, this is who we're interviewing tomorrow. And they're like, Oh, that's who we pay our bill to. But so just, just it's think happening. Back, think back to our association. If we had had Think Utility Services, oh. those two years where your water bill was six thousand dollars higher than it should have been, right. never would have happened. That's exactly because right. it would have been caught. I know. Yeah. Uh, I've referred them. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I got follow up it's, on that. It's, see it's, where they're it's at. Crazy. <laughs> All right. So let's let's shift to what I opened up with. This conversation. You got employees all over the place, and people. People are people and when there's people there's conflict because people aren't perfect Hmm. just like we're not perfect how what kind of a what's your process for resolving employee to employee conflict and i want to talk about customer conflict too but employee to employee conflict because they spend a lot of time together with people what do you do with that well i would probably summate it in this way this would be the same thing that I would use and that I train my customer service department to use with callers that call in because they have uh, uh, an issue with a bill. Nobody likes getting a bill, obviously. The number one thing is empathy, trying to, which I'm going to define as twofold, understanding 
the issue that the other person has, but then also trying to take on the feelings that the other person has over them. If you can do those two things, you're well on your way to truly empathizing with someone. Mm. Empathy, then following that mediation, trying to to understand where we go from here, what are we going to do next, and then action or res- resolution, beginning to resolve. I uh, I look at inter-employee conflict or an employee that is in distress because part of my job really is to try to identify when an employee is off in some way, when they're emotionally uh, compromised, which happens all the time. Mm. You know, somebody has something happen at the house, they come into work, you notice that they're not on point. Mm -hmm. Rather than just walking by and going in your office and getting a cup of coffee and going about your work, trying to help that person to get back on point, which you're not going to be able to do unless you deal with the the inner conflict that they have. Normally what I do is I sit down with them and I say, man, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, and then you listen. I listen. <laughs> and then when they tell you, what do you do then? Well, first of all, sometimes it's just cathartic for the person to be able to talk to someone. Yeah. And again, not just talk to a blank wall, but talk to somebody that actually loves them. Uh, I gave you the example of James Anderson. Uh, James has been here since probably 2003. I consider him, he's been my employee for a long time, but I truly do love him. I love him and I love his family. I love his wife. I love his children. I'm intimately, I have intimate knowledge of, of the things that go on in his life. He'll talk to me. When his father died, I got a call two o'clock in the morning, picked it up, man screaming on the other end. Turned out it was James. Got my clothes on, went over to his house. Mm -hmm. To me, it's more than just an employee. Mm -hmm. To get a chance to James is my friend. Of course I did. Mm. (laughs) Of course I did. And, and I've done that numerous times with employees when they're, as long as they're Christians, obviously, but I, I, well, you're right. And there have been times with unbelievers where the same technique of trying to, I call it a technique, God forbid, it should be the inclination of our heart. Right to sit and talk with someone and to listen to them and to feel their pain, to understand why they feel the way they do. Look for anybody that's listening. If you'll just do that, the person on the receiving side will become a better employee. They'll be able to go back to work with a clean heart, with a mind that's now on track. But more than that, that should always be the first inclination of our heart. And if we have those conversations at the end of the conversation, if you ask the question, would it be all right if I pray with you about that, what you just shared? I've never had anybody say no to me, no. whether they were Muslim or Hindu or Jewish or atheist. When somebody's down and out, they're open to prayer because they're looking for a solution. I, I had an employee recently that I was, it, it became very heated for a number of reasons. I, uh, I thought about firing him and you know, when you see somebody that's becoming rebellious, that tends to be what you think about. And then I realized what the impact of that was going to be on not only him, but on his faith, on his wife, on his family. In the evening, we called and talked with each other and we started working it out. The next day he came in and he asked me a question. You know, he said, look, I don't know how to do this and I don't want to disclose what the this is. Mm -hmm. When he came in the next day, I had 
nine points that I felt like would help him. And then we opened the Bible and I started showing him things in the scripture pertaining to what he had asked me. And you know what? Two days later, we were out on sales calls together and everything was good. And his relationship with his wife and everything, you know, that could have been in jeopardy was no longer in jeopardy. It's fantastic. I love that. Bill Wolf, Roger Ross, Think Utility Services. Thanks for being a supporter of iWork, Ram. Thanks for sharing your story today, being transparent, sharing it with the nation. We're grateful. Bill and Roger, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to iWork, Ram, with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, definitely our mission field, but ultimately, iWork for Him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iWorkForHim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at iWorkForHim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at iWorkForHim and online iWorkForHim.com. I work the number 4him.com